Amen. All right. Nehemiah chapter 1. Let's read in verse 11. Verse 11. Thank you for being here. I know sometimes it's rough on Wednesday nights to be here. And uh, I remember I used to uh, get off from work um, Wednesday nights, 6.15. I would have no time. I'd be off at work 6 o'clock, 6.15. I'm getting home filled with tar on my fingers and uh, dinner. I pretty much ate it either on the way to church, picking somebody up, two or three people on the way to church. Um, But we would arrive 7 o'clock sharp. I would throw on a suit, barely have time to take a shower, just get bird bath. And uh, we did construction at the time, paint, tar, and roofing cement, or concrete, or whatever it was, It was always messy work. Um, Me and Jesse, we were just married. We drove a car. I throw a suit on. We were driving a car. The window just didn't roll down. They were held up by vice grips. If you let go of those vice grips, the window would just slide all the way in the door. You'd have to take away part the whole door to get the window back up. So we didn't have windows. We had no AC. And you could smell burnt oil smoke coming out the vents. So we would be... And we were, we were picking up people from, like, inner Kensington. And uh, sometimes the car, the car was already bad, so you couldn't really add to it. But it definitely added to it for sure. And by the time we got to church, I was already drenched, soaked. Um, but I would go up and I would lead singing. This was our Sunday church, and that's what I did for many years. Um, but I know how hard it is on Wednesday nights. But, you know, it's, it's not hard if, if, you, if you think it's hard. It's... It was actually just what we did. Amen? It became a part of who we were. And, and that's how church has to be for you. It has to be a part of you. It has to be who you are. And if it's out of place, then God is out of place in your life. If God is out of the way, then uh, what are you doing? Man, get him, make him first priority. And uh, church, yeah, church, church is church, but... To God, this, this is the most important thing going on in God's um, e- eternal heaven, amen? It's his church. And uh, that's why he says, don't forsake it. And church was, a, it was who we were and uh, who we are now. Everything revolves around church. When we go on vacation, let's say we're, we miss a Wednesday night. I don't even like to go a whole week because we don't like missing Sunday. I don't think we have yet. Um, I don't think we've ever missed a Sunday in church, but sometimes we'll miss a Wednesday night, and but I'll pre-plan where we're going. I'll make sure there's a win, a good fundamental independent King James Bible preaching soul winning church where we're going, Amen. And and we'll make sure we're there on a Wednesday night to make sure we're in church. It's important, and that's just us. But that's how we've always been. It's not because I'm just a pastor, but that's just who we were, and that's who we are. It's important to, for God to to be. Um, part of your life. Uh, you shouldn't have to try to fit God in your life. Uh, make God your life. Make Him your everything. Amen? And let, the, let the, everything revolve around God in your life. Don't try to stuff God around all your, every, 
everything else that's going on in your life. Make sure everything else that's going around in your life revolves around God. Put Him first. Make Him preeminence. Nehemiah chapter 1, the Bible says in verse 11, O Lord, I beseech Thee, let now Thine ear be attentive to the prayer of Thy servant and to the prayer of Thy servants. There was people praying who desired to fear Thy name. And prosper, I pray thee, thy servant this day, and grant him mercy in the sight of this man, for I was the king's cupbearer. Let's pray. I want to preach on the king's cupbearer. King's cupbearer. Lord, I pray you bless this message. And uh, Lord, a message to be preached on one thing, but you whisper into our hearts something entirely different. Lord, there's uh, all people in here, Lord, that have different uh, needs and different walks and different levels, Lord, right now. But we have one God that can meet the needs of everyone, uh, Lord, and serve at the table. One meal, yet everybody tastes something different. Bless us, I pray. Thank you for this Wednesday night service. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Nehemiah was the king's cupbearer. And uh, I don't know if that's a special position, but he got to be next to the king. He was the king's cupbearer. And whatever the king requested, Nehemiah had to bring. Very simple, right? He couldn't fight with the king. No, 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 you shouldn't be, you shouldn't be drinking that diet soda. That's not good for you, Nehemiah, or uh, King Artaxerxes. You need to be drinking uh, fresh-squeezed apple juice. Or if they, Listen, if the king wanted something, Nehemiah had to bring it. That was his job. You just brought whatever the king requested. And Nehemiah brought it. The cupbearer to the king would have to be a trustworthy man. Because you know, in, 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 whenever you're a king, you, somebody's always after the throne. And uh, so the king, the cupbearer would, would probably ta- uh, take samples of everything before, um, uh, beforehand, make sure it wasn't poisoned, and, and so on. But the cupbearer had to be somebody trustworthy. You couldn't have uh, some man that was after the throne, be the cupbearer, you'd be, you'd be dead the first day. You couldn't have a man that was unreliable, you know. If the king was, wanted a glass of water in the middle of the night, Nehemiah had to go get it. The king can't be thirsty in the middle of the night. He ate too much food and woke up thirsty. You had to go get it for him, right? He had to be reliable. Couldn't be a man that was given the bribes either. Easily swayed. Because then you had enemies that would uh, come to Nehemiah and, and say, hey, uh, we would pay you off if you allow us to make the king's drink for him and you serve it. No, because you know the enemies are out and about and uh, they're after the throne. It's not given the bribes. Cupbearer, small, very small task, yet full of responsibility and only is fit for certain men. And Nehemiah was certainly uh, fit to fill this position. He was trustworthy. He was reliable. He wasn't a man given, as the Bible calls, filthy lucre. And whatever the king requested, that's what Nehemiah brought. The king's cup was always filled with the best. Oh, you wouldn't bring rotten uh, or, or, or expired um, drink to the king. No, you wouldn't do that. You'd make sure it was, it was the best of the best for the king. That was Nehemiah's job. 
king's cup was always filled with the finest. You wouldn't just grab any oranges. You would make sure those oranges, if you wanted orange juice, were perfectly ripe. Not unripe or overripe, but perfect. And that was all part of Nehemiah's job. He was cupbearer to the king. And it wasn't just handing the king a cup. It entailed everything that the king drank. Nehemiah overseen and made sure it was perfect to the point where uh, the king relied on Nehemiah and trusted him. Whatever he drank, he, or whatever Nehemiah gave the king, the king drank it. He was a man that was trustworthy. He was cupbearer to the king. Whatever the king requested, Nehemiah brought it. Whenever the king requested, Nehemiah brought it. Wherever the king requested, Nehemiah brought it. That was his job. He was cupbearer. Nehemiah served the king. That was his position, a servant, a cupbearer. Day after day, night after night, year after year, Nehemiah would serve the king. You know, the people in Israel at this time, this was when uh, the end of the captivity, when uh, Israel was taken into captivity in Babylon. And the prophet Jeremiah he, he preached and preached and preached for many years, but they didn't listen to Jeremiah. But they all knew the great prophet Jeremiah at this time. You know why? Because Jeremiah, he preached and preached and preached. Jeremiah was a, a prophet, a great prophet, who was despised. Jeremiah was a great prophet who all of his preaching was rejected. Nobody wanted to hear it. Because the Lord told Jeremiah, because of the sins of Israel, they will be taken captive. Jeremiah, tell them it's okay to go into the hands of Nebuchadnezzar. Tell them it's okay. Then you had false prophets in Jeremiah's day saying, no, God will deliver us from our enemy. He will deliver us for sure. Uh, Don't go into Babylon uh, like Jeremiah is saying. But God's will was for them to go into Babylon. But Jeremiah told the people of Israel, listen, you're going to go. Whether they throw me in the pit, whether they uh, shackle me, it doesn't matter where you guys are going, but you're only going to be there 70 years. And Jeremiah told him that, and it's written in the book of Jeremiah. And Jeremiah, he was a rejected prophet. Jeremiah was a despised prophet. But the words of Jeremiah would be the people's hope for that 70 years. To the end now where you have Nehemiah. The time, the 70 years had already passed. Starting with Ezra, as Cyrus came up, and the, the new king in and, uh, and the Persian Empire, and, and told uh, uh, Ezra, go, go build the house of God. And it always amazed me how God had his house built first in Israel, in Jerusalem, before the walls. You would think first you need to uh, protect the city. No, not with God. God's our protector, Amen. God says, you're going to build my church first. Forget about, forget about the locks on the door. Forget about the doors. Forget about uh, the walls around this city. I want my house built. And God had his house built. Ezra came first. And then came Nehemiah. And people started leaving Babylon uh, by, the, by the thousands back to Jerusalem. 
to build the city, to uh, start building houses again. And then we have Nehemiah, the last, because there's prayers that came up because children were uh, 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 not protected and women were not protected and men were getting attacked. They had the house of God built already and they had their own houses built, but there was no safety. And then came Nehemiah and something the Bible says was stir up within the heart of Nehemiah that he didn't even realize was in him. Drove him to weep. Verse 4, and it came to pass when I heard these words that I sat down and wept. It drove him to fast. And fasted. And it drove him to pray to the God of heaven. Something that would stir him up. He wasn't even in Israel. No, he was far away. He was in Babylon. He wasn't around them. He was somebody far away. He didn't have uh, money. He didn't have uh, any power. He didn't have any authority. But he just had a stirring up on the inside. That's all he had. He was stirred up. He stirred up and it drove him to weep first. It drove him to fast and it drove him to pray. Pray to God. Pray to the God of heaven when he heard about the condition of the walls that were at Jerusalem. He prayed, oh God, oh God, I I serve this king, Artaxerxes. I serve him day after day. I serve him night after night. I've served him year after year. Lord, I bring him his cup. I bring him whatever he asks of me. I bring him whenever he asks of me. Oh God, I became his cupbearer. But Lord, if you allow me, I'll be your cupbearer. I'll bring you your cup, whatever you ask of me, wherever you ask of me, and whenever you ask of me, oh God, as a humble servant, I will bring you your cup. I won't bring you the, uh, the last resort. I won't wait to the last minute. Oh God, I'll spend time and I'll bring you the finest. I'll bring you my first fruits because you are worthy. You are more worthy than this king that I serve. You are the king of kings and lord of lords. He had a stirring up because he's realized that he's given his life to the worldly king. But there was a heavenly king that deserves so much more, so much more time, so much more praise, so much more worship. And he was done serving this worldly king. He understood what being a king's cupbearer meant. You know, Christians, we... We, we don't have time for church, yet we'll give all of our time to some company that we work for. We work for 40, 50, 60 hours, and we say this is our life, but yet we're in, uh, we give all of our time to other people who we work for. We think we're on our own. We're not on our own. You're working for somebody. You're working for uh, somebody in this world, but listen, there is somebody greater that you can work for. Somebody who's more worthy. Somebody who deserves the more worship. He's the king of kings and lord of lords. Nehemiah had something stirring in him that drove him after all the years. First was Ezra, 
The temple had already been built. Then there was a, a big mass migration back to Israel. Thousands. And then the stirring of the wall came. You would think the wall would have been built first, but it was later. Oh, to be the cupbearer of the king, he said, of the king of kings. That's his goal. Oh, if I could stop wasting my life here in this faraway palace. Oh, if I could serve the true living God. Where his throne is at. At his palace in heaven. That's my goal. You know, the Lord Jesus Christ, he switched cups for us. He drank the bitter cup. He prayed in the garden, Lord, if it's your will, let this cup pass for me. Let this cup pass. You know, that cup was all the sin of mankind that he would have to taste for all of us who knew no sin, the Bible says, but he became sin for us. God and sin are opposites. And the first time ever, God would place on himself all the sin of mankind. He said, God, if it's possible, please let it pass. Knowing the poisonous cup of sin, let me tell you this, the Lord Jesus Christ drank it for us. When he seen that we would have to drink the bitter cup of hell, Christ drank it for us. When he seen the bitter cup of judgment that was placed on the Father on top of us, because the Bible says, he that hath not the Son, the Bible says, the wrath of God abideth on him. Christ drank it for us. Knowing it was poisonous, he still drank it. Knowing and seeing the sting of death, he still drank it. He still drank our cup, and he didn't have to. He drank the cup that was made for us, knowing that would hurt us, knowing that would kill us, knowing that would separate us forever. He drank it. That's our Savior. The Bible says, who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. What beautiful, beautiful words. Christ did that for us. Something was stirred up in the heart of Nehemiah. Something that drove him to his knees, drove him to weep, drove him to fast. And he prayed to the King of kings and Lord of lords. Nehemiah was God's answer to Israel. In verse 11, he said, Hear the prayer of thy servants who desire to fear thy name. There was people praying for this great undertaking to be accomplished. But it was so far out of the stretch of everybody's grasp. Not even the people in Israel seeing the great piles of rubble surrounding them with just men, women, and children that were broken and could barely even get there, couldn't, couldn't do such an undertaking, didn't have the money, didn't have the power, didn't have the heart. But you had a man who had a stirring from far away, 
He didn't have the money. He didn't have the power. And he was so far. But something was stirring. And he prayed. And God started driving him. And God showed him, listen, all your years of serving this worldly king, you're just going to switch that over now and you're going to serve me. Nehemiah, you are now my cupbearer. As you've been faithful, as you've been, not been uh, bought out by this world, as you've been reliable to this worldly king, Nehemiah, it's time for you to be my cupbearer. Nehemiah, verse 11 says, For I was the king's cupbearer. Oh, and he prayed to the king of kings and lord of lords, and God answered his prayer. And he felt the prayer of the people of Israel, and he felt the prayer that were still left in the captivity, crying out to God for safety and crying out to God for the city walls to be built. A city without walls, the enemies go in and out freely. And they cried out, God, help, help us, help, Lord, help. It reminds me of the verse, help, Lord, for the godly man ceaseth. When enemies are about, godly men cease. Immorality takes hold of our strong men. Help, Lord, for the godly man ceaseth, for the faithful fail from amongst the children of men. Our faithful men, our strong men, get taken by the enemy. And we need help. Help, Lord. Help. Help. We need walls built up. Oh, God, send one man. Send somebody. And you look around the city, and the Bible says there's just piles and piles of old rubble that were there from over 70 years ago. But Nehemiah had a stir. And God raised up that faithful man. God raised up one faithful man who was just faithful at that one thing, that one thing only. He brought the king whatever he wanted. He brought the king wherever he wanted the cup. And he brought the king whenever he wanted that cup. And that's all he did. And he looked after whatever the king wanted. He made sure it was the finest. He made sure he got the, the, the fullest. He made sure it was the best quality. That was Nehemiah's job. It was a small task, but full of responsibility. And God chose that man, a man that couldn't be bought out, a man that couldn't be bribed, a man that wouldn't allow the enemy to come in. There was a lot of enemies when Nehemiah got there. We're going to jump over to chapter 6, and I'm going to close. There was a lot of enemies. You better believe it. Nehemiah got faced with some enemies. Sanballat, Tobiah, Geshem. Chapter 6, verse 1. These three men and the enemies with them did not leave Nehemiah alone. No, sir. But there was more enemies. Look in verse 14, 614. Nehemiah prays, my God. Think thou upon Tobiah and Sambalat according to these their works, and on the prophetess Noadiah and the rest of the prophets that would have put me in fear. 
You have people within, you have people without. You better believe it. When we started this church, the biggest enemies were within. People trying to change the work of God. People trying to slander. Number one enemy I see. Simple. Yet it's a great one. The, the enemy, they try to change and hurt. Soul winning. Soul winning. Listen, we got to be soul winners. You, we got to be soul winners. You got to be a soul winner. The very, look, we, we hear a lot in our day about the Holy Spirit of God. These churches that speak in tongues and that do, do all that nonsense, they know nothing about the Holy Spirit of God. They worship a devil. And I'll say that uh, loud and clear. They worship a devil. The devil has them grasped and gripped up. The Holy Spirit of God, his work is to convict this world of sin, righteousness, and judgment. And Jesus said, after that, the Holy Ghost has come upon you, and ye shall be witnesses unto me. The Holy Spirit of God, when you are filled with the Holy Spirit of God, Jesus said, and he shall point you to me. His job is to lift up the Lord Jesus Christ. And Jesus said, if I be lifted up, I will draw all men unto me. The Holy Spirit of God is to point people to the Lord Jesus Christ, to lift up the Son of God. You know you're filled with the Holy Spirit of God when Jesus Christ is burning in your heart and you've got to go share him with somebody else. You know you're filled with the Spirit of God when you can sing the precious songs about the Lord Jesus Christ, about his blood, about his resurrection. Listen, I was witnessing to a devil-possessed man. I didn't know he was devil-possessed. But I was saying, hey, do you, do you know if, if you died, you go to um, uh, heaven? He said, no, I don't know that. Do, um, do, do you believe that uh, 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 you're a sinner? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, I believe that. Well, um, you, do you know about salvation? Oh, yeah, I know all about it. And then I started talking about the Lord Jesus Christ. And let me tell you this. His uh, nice speech turned to profanity, and he just started cursing away. The second I mentioned the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. You do not know how to discern the spirits that are in this world until Jesus Christ steps in between you and it. And the only thing that points to Christ, let me tell you this, as the Bible says, is the Holy Spirit of God. These churches don't lift up the Savior. They lift up in name Holy Spirit, but it's not the Holy Spirit. It's a spirit. We ought to be a soul winning church. You got to tell people about Christ. And you can't force that. Just let it happen. Let it happen. Be filled with the Holy Spirit of God. And I promise you, you'll have no choice but to get it out. Jeremiah said, I try to keep it in. But it became a fire that was shut up in my bones. And he couldn't yet, but he just had to speak. Get filled with the Spirit of God. We need, we need to be Spirit-filled people. Be Spirit-filled. Number two, wrong music. We've got to listen to right music. It's so important. During prayer time right now, before, we didn't have rock music. We didn't have Christian rap music. We didn't have, listen, music controls who you are. 
the Pied Piper. And this whole massive contemporary movement has taken the youth, has taken children. And let me tell you this, the older people, they know because we grew up uh, with the hymns and we, we're, we're solidly bass and yeah, we can, we can uh, ease our way into contemporary music and it doesn't affect us. But the children, it's a gateway into the world's music. That is the definition, the Bible says, of David. He served his own generation. He left no structure, no strength for the next generation. He made everything good for his generation, but he served his own generation. He didn't serve the next generation. We need to serve our next generation. Nehemiah, when he built the wall, he didn't bring no new stones. They didn't have all that money. They didn't bring no new stones. They didn't go to a salesman in the world and say, hey, we want some good stones, pretty strong. Can you, can you get us some uh, cheaper stones? And they made some concrete stones. No. The Bible says out of the rubble, he picked up the old path stones and the old-fashioned stones, and he built back the walls that protected the cities generations prior. And the same stones that protected them is the same stones that protected them now. Listen, the same paths of yesterday are the same paths of today. They're called God's paths. It's not old-fashioned. It's just God's way. The third thing, third attack when we started the church, man, they try to change, they try to change and attack the Bible. Let me tell you this. There's only one Bible. You can't change it. You could try to get into all these versions, but I don't call it a KJV. I call it a KJB. King James Bible. We're going to keep our Bible pure. This is, I'm not going to get that. We have many classes on it, King James Bible classes. This is the only, 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 only Bible taken from the original. Translate it word for word for word. It's a word for word translation, the only one of its kind. Every other, hundreds of more were translated from the Alexandrian text in Egypt. Completely separate. You have two Bibles out there. You have the original and you have the Alexandrian. Only one from the original. All the thousands others are from completely different source. It's not hard. The second you start looking into it, you'll be like, oh my goodness. Simple. God has promised to preserve his word. Every word. And when you've got a Bible that's a little bit different from another, it's not the same. Now, I've got a problem with God, believing God that he preserved every single word. Or I just don't care. No, I believe that God preserved his word. I believe every single part of this book was preserved. And I'm not going to change that. I'm going to pick up these old stones. I'm going to build that wall from the rubble around us. Amen. And we're going to build the city. The city walls back to how God designed it. God picked up a man. God made him a cupbearer to himself. And whatever God requested, Whenever he requested, wherever he requested, Nehemiah was there with the cup. You know, Jesus bore our cup. He drank our cup. 
because He's seen it would hurt us. And He did it for us. Now we need to be cupbearers of the King, like Nehemiah. Can God call on you, Christian? Do you ever felt that stirring up within you? Like, God wants to use you to do something. God wants to use you to be someone more than what you are. Yeah. Are you tired of serving this worldly king? It's time to serve the king of kings. It's time to be the king's cupbearer. Let's pray. Lord, a simple task, yet a massive responsibility. But Lord, you labor with us, and you're there with us. You'll never leave us or forsake us. And you drank our cup, Lord, that was meant for us when the enemy of God tried to hand it in our lap, and you said, no, don't drink that. I'll drink it for you. But, oh, Lord, it's poison. Oh, Lord, it's what's taking me to hell. But you still drank it. God, I pray now that we will serve you. Be that servant that you can call upon. Lord, we're already serving someone. We're already serving the world. We're already serving, uh, Lord, uh, our job. But, God, there's a higher calling. Help us to serve the King of kings and the Lord of lords. Pray we'll be like Jeremiah, Lord, who didn't uh, let go, Lord, and, and, and die his words down, Lord, because of people rejecting him. Lord, his words held, that, uh, held the hope of people's hearts for 70 years as they were in captivity. Lord, I pray we'll be like Nehemiah, despite of his position, despite of how far away he was, He just got stirred up and did a great, amazing task and became the answer to everybody's prayer. I pray we'll be that person. Bless us, I pray, in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's all stand. We're going to have invitation, silent invitation. We don't got no piano. But let me tell you this. If God spoke to your heart, if you feel stirring up inside, don't ignore it. You know God wants to use you. When, Jer- when Nehemiah built that wall, he had, uh, uh, the, the Bible says there was priests um, with the hammers and, and their daughters building that wall next to them. When, when they built that wall, everybody, they weren't qualified, but they put their hand to the hammer and they did what they could for God. With the Holy Spirit of God now in you, the Bible says you have power to do God's will. You've not been given the spirit of fear, but of power, love, and of a sound mind. Don't waste your life away. Be the king of kings cupbearer. Serve him. Be reliable to God. Be one that God can trust. Be one that won't be sold out easily by the enemy. As soon as the devil comes your way, you believe him and fall. Can God count on you to carry his cup? Can God count on you if it's in the middle of the night? Hey, would you wake up and pray with me? I got something to say. Can God count on you when you feel like he wants you to read? Can God count on you when he's urging you to go and tell somebody about Christ. Lord, they won't listen. Lord, I, I, please, 
Just send somebody else. I can't do it. Can God count on you? You got the Holy Spirit. You got stirred up. Now it's your time. Now it's your turn. Oh, God, I pray. Bless us, Lord. Help us in all we do. Father, we thank you for for drinking the cup for us, Lord. And now we get to serve you. And I pray, oh, God, that you would just work in our hearts. Bless this church. Bless your people. And help us all, Lord. Strengthen us. Help us to be soul winners. Lord, help us to learn how to pray. Help us to get in our Bibles. Keep us, Lord, in all we do. In Jesus' name, amen.